Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Monday. Are you ready for this? May the 1st, 2023. Can you believe it is May the 1st, 2023? Well, it is currently 12 p.m. Central Time. You know where I'm coming to you live from, the Theology Central Studio located right here in West Texas. But it is May the 1st. I mean, can I, I don't know. What happened to 2023? Does anyone remember what a lot has happened in 2023? I, I can't speak for you, but a lot has happened. I, I think we've accomplished a lot of things for this podcast. I always, I always hate these moments, right? Where all of a sudden it hits me. Oh, it's May the 1st. January's gone. February's gone. March, April. And now here we are, May. I mean, before we know it, 2023 is going to be over. So it always, I always start asking myself, and I hate these moments, right? And I know you're not tuning in to hear this, but I always start thinking, so what did I accomplish? Like if I go back, if I go back and look at the very first episode of the Theology Central podcast for January 2023, like, and I just look at all of the episodes, all of the episodes for January, all the ones for February, all the ones for March, all the ones for April, all the Bible study exercises, all of the today's focus uh, episodes, what what have I really accomplished? I've spent a lot of my life right here in front of this microphone in this studio talking. I've spent a lot of my life standing in front of people behind a pulpit. What have I really accomplished? Uh, you know, I, I guess I will never really know, um, but I hope it's, I hope something of value I hope something of value has occurred. I mean, I really do. Sometimes I don't know, but I really do hope something of value has occurred. Look, I know, I know this, uh, and, I, and I say this all the time. I, I don't know what kind of value I should really expect because all this really is, is I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone trying to figure this all out. I'm trying to figure out Christianity just as much as you are. I'm trying to figure out the Bibles just as much as you are. I'm trying to figure out the scriptures just as much as you are. I'm trying to figure out theology. I'm trying to figure it all out. And so if if people find some kind of benefit and listening to me try to figure it out, that's great. But, but I, you know, I, I, I've, I try to never pretend to be anything other than just a sinner in front of a microphone. I, I don't try to pretend to be infallible because clearly I'm not. I'm fallible. I definitely don't uh, try to claim to be sinless because I'm far from it. I'm definitely a sinner. I definitely try, don't try to figure out I know it all because clearly I don't. I, 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 I just I try my best to make this as real as possible. And I, I, I hope that someone out there is like, you know, it's been, I, I I hope that anyone who listens to what we do, like, let's say they started listening in January of 2023, they're going to be like, man, it's been a wild and crazy ride, right? There's been twists and turns in your broadcast. Some have been good, some have been bad, but they've always been very organic and very real, not overly produced. And hopefully that accomplishes something. At least that's my vision. That's that's kind of how I, and when I say a vision, not like a mystical vision, that's the way I try to think of how I want the podcast to be. Like I, I can look at so many things I do 
and I could critique it and criticize it, but so much of fixing some of those things would destroy my basic philosophy in podcasting, which is just a, a, a journey. Like it's a journey of one person who's a sinner sitting in front of a microphone going, let's talk about Christianity. Let's talk about theology. Let's talk about doctrine. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about, let's be real. And um, I hope, I hope that there, that there's something that you find, I won't say comforting, but there's something you can relate to in that journey. But I don't know how your year has been. I, been, I hope it's been uh, somewhat beneficial for you spiritually. I don't know what struggles, ups and downs, twists and turns you've encountered, but we're, we're here we are, May the 1st. So instead of looking back, let's look forward. All right. But I ha- I'm going to look back just, just for one more second, one more second. This is today's focus. And I know I'm supposed to start off by saying today's focus is, and I, I had a lot of struggle uh, about what I wanted to do uh, this afternoon. I was going to say this morning. It's, you know, it's afternoon now. Uh, what, what I wanted to do today, because there was a part of me that wanted to turn on the microphone and go, hey guys, hey guys, come on. Today's focus is what I talked about last night at Victory Baptist Church. Today's focus is my interpretation of the Song of Solomon, my hypotheses that I threw out there, my my very unique way of interpreting the book. I, that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I, I want your feedback on. But then that's a little, I, 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 I kept arguing with myself because I'm like, well, look what, you know, you posted the sermon. You know, it, it's been up for not quite 24 hours. It, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't remember what time I, I, I uploaded it. Now, I, to be fair, on the Church One Sermons 2.0 app, I think it was just uploaded. But it's been on the internet now for a while, and you haven't received any feedback. You haven't received any. So it's almost like if you haven't received any feedback, that's usually a sign you should just forget it and move on because no one else is interested. So do I turn on the microphone and go, your today's focus is my sermon from last night. That is what you need to go listen to. That's what we need to talk about. But I, I, because I really am interested if people, what people think about my perspective. I know it's 1000% opposite to basically, I I don't know if you're going to find that interpretation anywhere, but it's the only one that I think makes any sense. So I would challenge you to do this today, right? This is not what we're going to be talking about, but if you can go find the sermon from last night, Song of Solomon Overview Part 2, even if you don't listen to Part 1, that's okay. Just listen to Part 2. And when I get to the end, and I'm like, well, because I offer, you know, five possible ways of interpreting the book. And then I throw in my last one at the very end. You may, I know, I, I, I was expecting strong reactions. I was expecting like, um, I was expecting strong reactions. I really was because I know it's going to bother a lot of people. I know it's going to bother a lot of people, but it's the only thing that makes any sense to me. If we maintain anything consistent to a literal interpretation and we consider who the author is, and we consider the historical context, 
There's only one way to interpret it. The book, everything else is insane. And in fact, uh, last night in that sermon, you can hear everyone in the church really start laughing because we really start kind of making fun and mocking of the Bible dictionary because it was just so ridiculous how they, how they were trying to just, I, they were just trying to completely turn it into something wonderful and beautiful when you're like, this story is so messed up. So, but, but you, you can listen to that. I would love to get everyone's feedback. All right. But so here's, here's your today's focus. Number one, go listen to, I hate to say this because it feels like self-promotion, but I almost wish it wasn't my sermon, but it, it is my sermon. So I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to promote self, but I am trying to promote the the interpretation I gave because I want I want everyone to engage that interpretation because I don't think you're going to hear it anywhere else. So go listen to my sermon, Song of Solomon Overview Part 2. You can skip part one. Don't even care if you ever listen to it. Just listen to part two. And when I wait till the end and when I throw out my, we still need to flush it out and work on it a little bit more. But when I throw out my interpretive hypotheses, I want you to email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'd love to get your thoughts, your feedback, how how you feel about it, because I think it's the only one that works. It really does. I gave five, and I don't think any of those five work on the Song of Solomon. We're not done working on the Song of Solomon, all right? We're going to be doing some sermon reviews and... I don't know. We may do some other things on, on the book. We've created a series. I think it's called Song of Solomon and Hermeneutics or something along those lines. We've created a series. You can find that on the Church One app. But I would really like for you to engage everything that has happened in this series so far from my <laughs> very innocent Today's Focus episode on the Song of Solomon that turned into someone being very upset with me my two-hour rebuttal to that long, 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 long email, then the two sermons that I did yesterday at Victory Baptist Church. So uh, it's been a wild ride, but I hopefully uh, that, that interpretation will be worthwhile. But are you ready? All right. In the midst of all of that, I was reading a book yesterday. I was reading a book. And the name of this book is A Bird's Eye View of the Bible. A bird's eye view of the Bible. Not only it's a book, it's a course that you can, I signed up for the course. I'll be taking the test and, and doing everything that they asked me to do because I'm always looking for educational, you know, opportunities. So I'm like, okay, I can sign up. Uh, so you have to buy the, like, you can buy the actual physical book or you can buy the PDF files, like $11. You get it. Then you sign up for the course. Um, I have to go uh, log in today. I, I thought, I think, I think there's videos, but I haven't figured out where the videos are, uh, but I know there are review questions. There are test questions. So I'm going to partake in it and, and hopefully benefit from it. But as I was reading it, at the beginning, it's kind of like, you know, hey, why you should study the Bible, what, you know, why the Bible is important. And then they have a little section when it comes to the Bible and reading the Bible and studying the Bible. They come to a section that they entitle spiritual requirements. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I definitely want to see this. And then they give the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to chapter 3, verse 3. Now, we're going to read that in a minute, but your today's focus, your real today's focus is 3 
types of people. Three types of people. And let me just get this out of the way immediately. Not all Christians agree that there are three types of people. All right. And you'll say, well, what do you mean? Three types of people. And what way are you referencing? Just you'll see here in just a minute. So are you ready? Let's grab a Bible. First Corinthians chapter two. Let's start in verse 12. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 12. We're going to read all the way down to three, chapter three, verse three. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, please note 1 Corinthians 2.13 is the verse where the Bible interpretive principle of comparing scripture with scripture supposedly arises from. Now, you could argue whether that's a correct understanding of that passage or not, or is it an application of it? But that whole idea that the way you interpret scripture is you compare scripture with scripture is typically based off that right there, the comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And you could ask yourself if that's what's actually being said there or not, but I digress. Let's continue. Verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he discern them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 now. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy, strife, division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? That is your today's focus. I want you to just read that section over and over and over and over and over today. You know, that's what I always beg of you, plead of you. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. But, you know, I don't know if I think sometimes those those pleas (laughs) don't always lead to what I'm asking, but I hope it does. So here's how this book, Bird's Eye View of the Bible, handles this. Here we go. There are three types of people described here, and only one of them can be an effectual Bible student. All right. Now, before we move on, here's a question for you to consider. You know, today's focus, I try to give you, I try to give you one thing to focus on. Sometimes I end up giving you many. Obviously, in this episode, I'm giving you many. I want you to go listen to my sermon on the Song of Solomon. And then I want you to consider 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through chapter 3, verse 3. And then I'm going to give you some questions to consider. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here you go. You sit down, you open your Bible, you have pencils because only God, you know, godly people have pencils. Those who use pen, we don't speak of them, right? They're, they are outside of the camp. They are unclean, right? For those of us who use pencils, we're spiritual, so we can actually sit down at a table and engage in Bible study. Okay, I'm, I'm joking. All right, but here we go. You sit down at a table, you got a Bible, you got a notebook, 
You got a writing instrument. Is that better? All right. You have some reference tools, Bible dictionary, Bible handbook, Bible encyclopedia. You're ready. You're going to engage in scripture. All right. You're going to study scripture. Now, what are the requirements necessary for coming to a correct understanding and conclusion of what the scriptures say? What are the requirements? I really want you to think this. I want you to write down what you think the requirements are. Because I think within the Protestant non-Catholic world, there's there the the basic working philosophy is that scripture is basically clear and anyone can understand it. Anyone, learned or unlearned, can understand it. Now, if that's the case, many Christians go so far to say, hey, uh, your only requirement is to be saved because now God himself, the Holy Spirit's going to show you what it means. So some would say salvation is a requirement. Some would say, hey, if you're saved, you can understand it. If you're not saved, you can't understand it because the only way to understand scripture is by is being saved. All right. Now, when we say that, what we got to ask ourselves, what do we mean by that? Now, I, I, to even to even call this view into question, I know I'm going to get some some serious pushback. But man, I'm, listen, I've listened to a lot of Christians tell me what Scripture means, and with all due respect, some of it is absolutely insane. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know even know what they're talking about. I don't even know what I don't. I'm just I'm just like, okay, you think that's what the Bible is saying? Really? You think that's what the Bible is saying? Okay, okay, all right, all right. Well, all right. Um, I mean, look, just read the Church Fathers on the Song of Solomon, okay, and then come back and talk to me. All right, we won't even go there. But so, is it that hey, if you're saved, you now basically have supernatural ability to interpret the Bible? Is, is that is that the case? Is that so? I, I think most most all Christians would say a requirement is salvation. But if you say salvation is a requirement to understand the scripture, what do you mean by that? Are you, are, are you saying that a non-Christian can't understand the words, can't understand the context, can't understand, you know, anything? I, I don't think that's what we typically, at least I don't think that's what we typically mean. But it's a very important question. What, what, if, if salvation is a requirement, what exactly does it do for you when it comes to studying the Bible? All right. Second, so some would say, uh, salvation is a requirement. Now here, here's a second possibility. If salvation is a requirement, is it also a requirement that you understand interpretive principles? You understand you you have a certain level of reading comprehension and you have a certain level of understanding and how to interpret anything that is written, a, a written, a novel, anything, uh, poetry, anything. You know how to interpret it. You know the interpretive steps that are required to interpret anything that is written. Do you think that there's a requirement to have a certain level of understanding, a certain level of education in how to read, comprehend, and interpret? Do you think that's a requirement? In other words, if there, if the first spiritual requirement, let's say, is salvation, then is there a knowledge requirement? Is there a knowledge requirement? 
and and this is not even knowledge requirement about anything related to scripture. Just a knowledge requirement when it comes to obviously you know how you have to know how to read, so that would be one knowledge requirement, right? But what about a certain level of reading comprehension? How about a certain uh, level of knowledge when it comes to how to handle different genres of literature? How to read a a you know, poetry versus a historical, uh, how to read fiction versus nonfiction. I mean, I could go on and on and on in all the different ways. Do you think that's required? Because many within the Christian world was like, no, as long as you're saved, that's the spiritual requirement. Now, yeah, you you need to know how to read. But, and the reason this creates problems is because, because again, the, the, the non-Catholic world wants to say every Christian can just figure it out. But clearly it doesn't work that way. I w- I, but if we, the minute we say that there are certain requirements, the minute we say there's certain requirements, you understand that if you're not careful, you create like there's the hierarchy. They can understand, but you can't understand. Most non-Catholics hate that concept. They loathe it, right? They're like, that's that's Roman Catholicism. That's a Pope. That's a magisterial authority. We reject that. So they want to say the average Christian can, but I just don't, I don't, I believe you can get, look, I'll just give examples. Have you ever taken a class, college class, university class, maybe even high school, and you took a class on Shakespeare and the class was required to read different uh, sections of, 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 of Shakespeare? And then listen to the class, try to interpret it. It's a total and utter train wreck of epic proportions. I remember being in high school, getting so utterly just irritated with everybody. I'm like, what are you people talking about? That's not what Shakespeare was saying. In fact, I got so out of control, I got kicked out of the class and I had to sit in the library. (laughs) I I wasn't allowed to attend class because I... I got so angry with everyone. So I just had to sit in the library, read Shakespeare, and then take the test. And that's, that was my, that was my existence for that semester because I got so frustrated because it was just clearly not everyone had the same capability or ability to process what he was even trying to say. They did had no clue. Have you ever listened to people talk about song lyrics? Oh, lose my absolute mind, right? Or or people trying to interpret a television show. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not what that television show was trying to, that's not what that movie was trying to say. Clearly, there's knowledge levels to interpret things. So does that work in scripture? Now, if it does, you see... Most, most, most of the time within Christianity, we don't approach it that way, right? Someone starts arguing with you about an interpretation. Rarely do we, rarely do we stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So what's your, you know, I need to know your, you know, knowledge when it comes to interpretive concepts. These are just important questions. All right. But let's continue another one. Is it a requirement? Or, or do you think it's necessary for Christians to have a certain level of knowledge when it comes to biblical hermeneutics? Not just reading comprehension, not just being able to interpret other things like literature, art, 
movies, television shows, lyrics, anything else, that, anything that shows up in some form of a written format. Well, a tel- television is not a written format. It's a visual, but still the same interpretive processes are there. You still are looking and how to interpret things. Um, it, it, we, we, we almost never make that a requirement. We never check. We don't, when we're getting into an argument with a fellow Christian, we don't usually stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what's your reading comprehension level? Like, like, so what court, what, what, how do you, how well are you at uh, interpreting other, let's set the Bible aside. Let's read some other things and just see how you interpret things versus how I interpret things. Because if we can't come up how we interpret things, we're never going to get anywhere. Do you make that a requirement? And then when it comes to Christians and the Bible, do you say, okay, how many books have you read on biblical hermeneutics? How, how many courses have you taken? Now, see, the minute you say that, people say, well, that's creating an, you know, an elitist attitude, an academic attitude. Attitude, and we don't need that. Well, all I'm saying is just look at the chaos that erupts within Christianity. So are there requirements? Are there requirements? Now, obviously, this book that's about to, that I'm reading on a bird's eye view of scripture believe there are spiritual requirements. And they believe that there is three types of people and only one of them can be an effectual Bible student. The other two cannot be. Only one of them can be. What are the three types of people? They believe they are found in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 12, verses 3, verse 3. Did you see, did you, did you identify the three types of people in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through chapter 3, verse 3? Did you identify the three when I read it? Well, let's see how they articulate them or or how they identify them. Are you ready? Here we go. There are three types of of people described here, and only one of them can be an effectual Bible uh, student. The context is the word of God. And the three types of people have three types of relationship with the word of God. Here's page seven of the book. And they're going to identify the three. You ready? The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm stating it like I'm I'm expecting you to be writing this down. Some of you are listening while you work or something else, and you can't. The natural, the carnal, and the spiritual. Now, immediately, just realize not all Christians agree with this. All right, I attended one school where I had to argue that the carnal man wasn't a saved person; that they were lost. I had to write an entire paper on it. Right. Um, lordship salvation kind of goes with that mindset. There aren't any carnal Christians. There are no such thing. There is the saved and there's the lost, right? And so they're going to break down these down into three. Well, let's see if they describe two of them as lost. Now, they at least, they're acknowledging at least two of these are, cannot be an effectual Bible student. Let's see what they say. Let's go with the natural man. I think we know how they're going to describe the natural man, right? The natural man is one who cannot understand the word of God. And they say he is found in 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14, which reads, 1 Corinthians 2.14, 
but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now, when we say the natural man cannot understand the Word of God, I think we have to stop and ask ourselves, what do we mean by that? What do we mean? Are we seeing a... So the natural man would obviously be someone who's lost. So are we seeing a lost person cannot open the Bible and read it and understand it? I think I think this is what we would have to say. A lost person can clearly read it and understand the words that are used, right? They can clearly understand genres of literature, right? They can clearly identify, oh, that's apocalyptic literature. That's po- that's a uh, poetical little literature. That's a historical narrative. This is a this is an epistle or a letter. They they should be able to figure those things out. They should be able to figure out, well, this is who it was written to, right? When it was written, what the theme of it was. So I think when we say the natural man cannot understand the word of God, that we mean that we he cannot understand the spiritual truth contained in it. That's the, that's the only, I mean, we have to be able to figure it out somehow because we know we can understand the basic elements of it. He can read the text. He may be able to master the original language. He may be, be, be able to master syntax, context, punctuation, grammar, you know, past tense, present tense, the, the verbs and, 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 and the Greek or in the Hebrew. Like he, there, he may be able to understand Hebrew and Greek culture and Jewish culture in the past better than we can. So there has to be like what he cannot understand is ultimately the spiritual truth that is being taught. Now, now how to, how to clearly define that becomes somewhat problematic. I think the point is, is they may be a little, that, that uh, this is the way I would say, say a natural man can read that Jesus w- was born of a virgin, well, uh, that he lived a holy life, that he died, that he was buried, that the scriptures claims that he rose the third day, but they will not receive, they will not acknowledge, they will not accept that he, that Jesus was the true son of God. They may believe that, they may say the text claims it, but they will not receive it. They will not acknowledge it. They will not believe it because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. So I don't, when we say he cannot understand the word of God, I think that he cannot under, like he, he, he's not brought to faith in it. That, that's the only way I think we can work that. Now, I know many Christians were like, no, they just can't, they can't figure it out. They can't understand it. But I've seen Christians who can't figure out text. I've, I've talked to plenty of agnostics and atheists in my life who've read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible and had fascinating conversations with them about the text and the meaning of the text or the Greek or the Hebrew or, or the history or, and, and in many cases, they, they seem to be very knowledgeable at how to grasp and handle the text. So I, I think we have to try to figure that out. This is what, this is uh, how this goes on to describe it. So the natural man, that's the first type of man, cannot understand the word of God. They see, they say he's referenced in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He has no spiritual discernment. This is every man's condition without salvation. He is dead and trespasses and sins. He does not have the spirit of God. So I do acknowledge the natural man is dead in his trespasses and sins. And I do know the natural man obviously has no faith in what he is reading. He does not accept it. He denies the truthfulness of it. He will not receive it or understand it as being true. He may understand it as what it says, but he's going to deny 
Well, there, there isn't a God who created everything. Jesus wasn't the eternal son of God who died as a substitutionary sacrifice for my sins I, or that I'm a sinner. No, they're going to deny that. They may understand that's what the text is claiming, but they cannot understand that that's what it is actually saying is to be true. That, that's the only way I can wrap my mind around that. Yes, yes, there are biblical scholars who who basically reject what it says. I mean, uh, listen to Bart Ehrman. I mean, Bart Ehrman has spent his life studying the Bible. Bart Ehrman has spent his life debating the Bible. Bart Ehrman has spent his life reading, writing books about the Bible. Clearly, he doesn't believe it. But there's a lot of it he understands. Right, yeah, and, and, and yeah, and many of those biblical scholars who I completely disagree with their conclusion— I wouldn't, I would never make an argument that I understand more than them, but I, I would say that, look, the, the natural man is dead in trespass and sin. There's no faith. And so much, it is by faith. There is, it is by faith. Much of the Bible is understood in a sense by faith. It makes claims that in many cases we can't quite grasp or understand, but it's by faith that we accept it and receive it. It's the only way I can make sense of that. I know many Christians are going to argue, no, lost people can't understand it. Yeah, and you can, of course, right? Yeah, all right, whatever. Okay, I think we, we have to understand what we mean by understand. Now, the second type, there is the carnal man. Now, the carnal man is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, where we read these words. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. These are the carnal, the carnal type of people. This is how this book describes them. Again, I'm reading from Bird's Eye View of the Bible, page 7. Here we go. There is the carnal man who can only take the milk of God's word. He is born again. He has the spirit of God. The reference, remember how he refers to them? And I, brethren, he calls them babes in Christ. All of the language here would describe them as saved. Um, he is born again, has the spirit of God, but he is walking in the flesh, not the spirit. He is walking as men. He still has one foot in the world. If you persist in walking in the flesh and loving the world, you can forget being a serious Bible student. Now, I don't know if I agree with exactly the way that describes it, but look, look what it, it does say this. Here we go. All right, here we go. I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Obviously, the carnal man cannot be an effectual Bible student as far as this is concerned. They cannot, and the exact words, and we, we, could, we could spend some time trying to figure this out. Remember, today's focus, I'm not supposed to be teaching all of this. I'm supposed to just be handing it to you so you can go spend the day working on it. But here we go. What does it mean that they were not able? Right? You were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. What, what, what? They're not able to bear meat. What does that mean? I'm looking at another translation. Here we go. Here's another translation. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. What does it mean that they're not ready for solid food? What does it mean that they're not ready for meat? What does that mean? Now, now that, now that's, that's a, that's a difficult thing in how to handle, right? How do, like, if you're a pastor, 
And you look at your people and you're like, whoa, these people are carnal. These people are babes in Christ. These, these people are, are fleshly. They're carnal. I mean, carnal is a, obviously a negative terminology, right? First, you'd have to identify, are they carnal? And then do you stand behind the pulpit and say, hey, guys, 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 look, I'd love to give you the meat of God's word, but I can't. I can only give you milk. So I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start giving you milk. That sounds so condescending. Now, some would say, well, you shouldn't tell them that. You should just give them milk and then steadily build towards the meat. But I, I don't know. How that plays out in the church, I don't know. But for you as an individual, are you carnal? If you're carnal, if you're fleshly, 1 Corinthians 3 seems to be describing believers. He seems to be speaking to them as believers. Are you not ready for meat? And if you're not ready for meat, what does that mean? Can you clearly articulate the difference between milk and meat? Now, personally, here's my own personal feelings, and I could be wrong on this, is that every passage of scripture is both milk and meat. The difference is the depth in which one studies. Milk is the very surface level information, right? Okay, that's written to the Corinthians. Or that, like basic meat is where you really start digging into it. I think all passages are contain both milk and meat. So, are, so, so that would make there's a spiritual requirement. If salvation is a spiritual requirement, right? Because the carnal man can't, uh, or the the uh, natural man can't understand then that clearly that means salvation is the first spiritual requirement. That would be true. The second spiritual requirement for to be really to get to the meat of God's word is you cannot be carnal. Now, uh, how do you judge your life to determine carnality or lack thereof? Is it based on what you do or is it based on what you think and desire? Well, if it's based on what I do, I'm doing pretty good. If it's based on what I desire, feel, and think, I'm done. <laughs> oh, don't act so surprised. You're probably the same way. All right. Well, let's hang on. Let's go back to the book, A Bird's Eye View. Let's go back to A Bird's Eye View. The next, so the first man is the natural man. The second is the carnal man. The third is the spiritual man. Now, the spiritual man is one who can take the meat of God's word. He is in tune with the spirit of God and has spiritual discernment. Now they mention him. They say he's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who know, or for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That this is the spiritual man. Now he has... He's in tune with the spirit of God. He, he has spiritual discernment. They say, they claim in the book that this is the man mentioned in Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two, where we read these words. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That that's the spiritual man. 
They go on to describe the spiritual man. He has surrendered himself to Christ. He is pursuing God's perfect will. He is not being conformed to this world. He is being transformed by the renewing of the mind. That's the effectual Bible student. Now, clearly, there's a drastic difference. I think we can agree. There's a drastic difference between the natural man and the carnal man. Yes. Natural man would be dead in his trespasses and sins. He cannot even understand. The carnal man... Clearly, it seems to be saved, but he can't take them. He can take the milk. He can't take the meat. And then the spiritual man seems to be someone who has the spiritual discernment and understanding. And I'll stop right there. That's all they say. They say, now, so let me go back and read that. There are three types of people described here, and only one of them can be the effectual Bible student. Well, which type of person are you? If you're natural, then clearly, obviously, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You reject him. You don't believe in his sacrificial death for you. You've not placed your faith in Christ. You're rejecting him. You're lost. And I would challenge you to understand that you are a sinner. There is no hope apart from Christ. Turn from your turn from your in your mind from your sin to Christ and put your faith and trust in Him. A change of mind about your sin and about Christ and believe on Him. Believe in Him. If you're carnal, which I think there's a carnality in all of us to some level, then obviously we have to constantly be battling that carnality to some level, right? Because we want to be able to to take the meat of God's word. Right? Not just the milk. And the spiritual man, that's what we long to be. I don't know if we are ever that, but I want you to meditate on those three types of people today for your today's focus. There's much more we could say there. Uh, you can see if those three types of, of men are described anywhere else in scripture, right? Those three types of people, I should say, are they, do they show up in other places of scripture? Like if you were to draw a chart, the natural, well, we know we can, we, we, with the natural man, I think we can see that in lots of places, the carnal and the spiritual, and then find all the scripture that fits for each one. It would be an interesting chart if you want to make a chart, one, one of the people listening. There you go. I, I know I would like to be the most effectual Bible student I could be. I would love that. I just think that there, I think personally, this is my own personal thoughts, my own, just throw out my own hypotheses. I think we're, I think if you're Christian, there's a constant fluctuation between spiritual and carnality, spiritual and carnality. Because remember, the carnal nature still remains in us. It doesn't go away. So there's always some level of carnality in us. Like to, to deny that would be to deny the reality. We have a sinful nature that is carnal. That carnality is always there. So I think it's a constant. I think there's sometimes I'm much more carnal than I am spiritual. And I think sometimes I'm much more spiritual than I am carnal. But that can change by the minute. Give me your thoughts. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. My pencil keeps rolling across the desk. All right, there you go. Newsif at yahoo.com. Man, a 43-minute today's focus, which is only supposed to be 15 minutes long. I do not follow my own rules. Okay, there you have it. 
I'm going to go find food because I'm starving. Talking about meat and milk, I'm starving. All right. Everyone have a great day. Love to hear from you. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you listen to uh, Song of Solomon Overview Part 2, love to get your feedback today. Everyone have a great day. We will definitely... Pins don't roll. Oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. Pins don't roll, but the people who use them are carnal. In fact, forget that. They're natural. They're, they're unsaved. They're lost. They're unregenerate. Only pen, people who use pencils are truly saved. It's, when, it's in uh, the Lordship Test, question number 16. If one is truly saved, what type of writing instrument do they use? Answer, pencil. Pen, apostate, heretic, lost. There we go. Glad we cleared that up. Just a little bit of fun. All right, we'll be back some point today. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how many broadcasts we do today. News if at, uh, news if at yahoo.com. News if at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful day. That is your today's focus for Monday, May the 1st, 2023. <laughs>